Borax Dog Earthlets. My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 34th episode of Space Spinner 2000. Oh, God. A, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD and Star-Lord for June 1979, progs 115 through 119. This week, we'll see the end of Rick Random, as well as the current Strontium Dog and Robuster storylines, the return of Bill Savage and Hammerstein, and the beginning of Project Overkill. Alright, <laughs> how you doing this week, Fox? Hung down, brung down, hung up, and all kinds of mean, nasty, ugly things. Ah, that's exciting. <laughs> Jesus. This was a this was a special treat for anyone reading because it was the best month ever. I just want to say, just so everybody knows, that in between our last episode and this episode, Fox has gone all the way around the Earth via plane. <laughs> and it was maybe strung out a little bit. <laughs> it's a little horrible. I've been to like fucking five different time zones in the span of three weeks. I, and now I'm back in sunny California where it's raining nonstop since I got here. It's wonderful. You may hear rain in the background of my recording. I'm not going to lie. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but speaking of being all messed up, let's talk about some messed up clones in 301 Judge Dread. That was well done. Hey, man, I'm like on my game tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to be. Exactly. Uh, script robot for Judge Dredd. All this, all this month is uh, John Wagner writing as John Howard. Then the art robots are Brett Evans, Ian Gibson, Ron, and Ron Smith. And the lettering robot is Tom Frame. Tom so, Frame, you do a great job. Tom Frame is a crazy letter man. Um <laughs> So we pick up this issue where last issue left off where Dredd was being attacked by messed up clones. The DNA men made by the new Dr. Frankenstein. Uh, he, luckily, he managed to take them down with some help from Walter, who like dumps soup on them. Um, Which is great. He just scalds them to death and then they get shot. Like, God. Don't underestimate Walter, buddy. Never, uh, <laughs> never do that. <laughs> Apparently not. He actually did something awesome. Yeah. So the Dread then continues the hunt for the evil Dr. Frankenstein and primary clone Dennis, which is still funny because I know a guy named Dennis. And that's, <laughs> this cracks me up. Dennis <laughs> likes pretty girl. Yeah. They're trying to escape Mega City 1 through the northern border into Mutiland, which apparently... It's it has like yeah. one of those it's one of those dukes of hazard type like border lines where you kind of cross the line and then the law can't touch you in any way but they went they went into the cursed earth where he definitely had jurisdiction i don't you know who knows that could be like a weird <laughs> a weird tree part of muty land it's hard to tell yeah that's true and he, but along the way they bump into a lady who's a uh, cosplaying as of uh, mystic superhero zatanna with <laughs> Mabel crazy legs. Yeah, tuck. You know she's got a the tuxedo one piece bathing suit and the fishnet stockings and stuff. <laughs> um, she she faints from looking at Dennis's face, and he picks her up and <laughs> takes her along Frankenstein style. Yeah, dreads like like Frankenstein's like the monster Frankenstein style. Which, by the way, I call Frankenstein's monster just Frankenstein because I am. Yeah. 
I go against the curve. I'm an I'm an iconoclast. Uh, I I mean I always do that too. Whoever remembers the doctor. Well, no, but the actual monster. People say it's Frankenstein's monster, not Frankenstein. Uh, yeah. w- w- Let's keep going. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Dreads in hot pursuit, but Frankenstein manages to cross the border. But meanwhile, Dennis trips and gets arrested. When the lady wakes up, she once again screams and calls Dennis ugly, and he freaks out. (laughs) Big problem. Don't don't do that. (laughs) He uh he breaks free of the judges holding him um uh um prisoner. He stumbles across the border, grabs the doctor, and the two of them jump out off of the uh, border bridge to their deaths. Saving Judge Shred a lot of paperwork. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's actually true, honestly. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but so ends the saga of the first DNA man. Yeah. Yeah. So, next up, actually, a, a um three of these uh judge dread stories are big like set um scene setting judge dread stories even if some of them take a long time to pick to uh to set up so our second story is an interesting one where a madman it's adorable yeah he's kidnapped vienna who is judge dread's niece and she is super cute i actually wrote that she's adorable in my notes which i think is kind of funny it's she is she's so sweet she loves joe yeah of course the timing is questionable because rico came back to earth after doing 20 years in <laughs> uh, in titan so how he has like a seven or eight year old daughter while he when he was on saturn's moon in prison for 20 years is better not to think about just uh, just he go with it or saved his seed well there yeah we it would mean that he would have to father her while he was in prison anyway oh god Anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to gas or I don't want to shine too much of a spotlight on this. There's a there's a little kid. He's she's uh, Joe Dredd's niece, Rico's daughter, and now she's been kidnapped by Harry C, a wizard with electronics who's got like a skull grills for teeth. He's a son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, he's booby-trapped his apartment like crazy. There's, like, lasers and ankle traps and spitting blades and then one of those blade pendulum things <laughs> that starts to, like, um, swing ever closer to Vienna. Luckily, Dredd uh, stuns Harry and shoots himself free and then pulls Vienna free from the swinging blade. I do want to make special mention that he's labeled all of the buttons, like, the blade button and then the stop blade button. I appreciate the manacle retract button. He's just living up to OSHA um, uh, settings, you know. He's got to clearly label everything. Just because you're an insane madman doesn't mean you shouldn't be safe, Fox. (laughs) All right? (laughs) I prefer it. Um, During the fight, Harry lets slip that Dredd is the one that killed Rico, but Vienna forgives him because she's just the perfect little girl or whatever. Uh, she snuggles him at the end. It's super cute. Yeah. But then, you know. But, but then Dredd tells her foster mother that he's leaving and he won't visit anymore because she has to stop loving Dredd. That's horrible. According to his thoughts, is the only way to save Vienna's feelings for the future. Because he's going to die one day because he's a judge and he's like, I just don't want her to like me when that happens. That's right. It's pretty cute. Yeah. Vienna yeah. Dredd will return in, <gasps> in 2002. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> it's so long from now. I, uh. I can't stress enough how long it is. It's 1,200. She comes back in like Prague 1,300. Oh, <laughs> God. That's like 1,100 Prague. It's like 1,200 Prague. Oh, God. 
see you in 10 years. Listen, um, I mean, actually, literally 20 years. Oh, God. <laughs> see you when you're, like, 50. Well, no, sorry, 20 prog years. Um, oh. That's more like like five show years. All right. <laughs> Anyhow. All right, Oh, yeah, put a pin in it. Um, <laughs> which means that the actual big character that we get introduced this week is like the concept of the Mega City One city block. Oh yeah, I liked this a lot. So we'll see more and more of these blocks as time goes by. They're usually named after celebrities, often kind of ironically. In this case, it's where we sort of find out about the Charlton Heston block. Well, what I liked a lot about what they said in this, it's like in one of the little blurbs, is like, you will be born and then die in a block never having actually gone out into Mega City. Yeah. Because there's just everything in there. Why would you leave? Yeah, it's basically in our, in a, I forget what they call it, Arcopolis, whatever, whatever the, the big oh. thing that, that you built at the end of, of a SimCity 2000. <laughs> appreciate your reference um, but yeah each block holds like sixty thousand citizens and you can in fact live your whole life from hospital to crematorium inside one block that's cool this week's st- uh, th- th- this week's story starts with dread walking through one of these blocks when he sees a citizen and he calls out to him and the sit starts running Dread gives chase, and it's a madcap journey through the block, through indoor gardens and beaches, and the citizen starts taking hostages. He barges through a hospital, and then commandeers an ambulance and drives off. Dread stops the car with a daring jump and arrests the citizen. This is, like, really intense stuff. It's an an awesome, like, chase. There's just all this, like, um, Ron Smith does the art for this, and it's really amazingly detailed of just... Everything going on at once in this like in this city block. There's so much going on in the background. There's so much detail paid to every single part of this like huge building that everybody lives in. I I really like the uh, robot who's like, "Hey, baby, you can't do that." <laughs> so during sentencing, Dread asks the citizen why he ran, and it was basically just because Dread called, like, yelled at him, and he was afraid of Dread. So he's like, "I gotta go." <laughs> <laughs> Which, bad idea. Yeah. Uh, Dread was apparently just stopping him because he dropped a candy wrapper, and now this guy is going to go to jail for quite some time. So, yeah, like a really long time. So don't litter is the basic uh, message. <laughs> and uh, keep the green cross code. Come on. Man, that's for crossing the street. God. Yeah, well, he ran in front of some traffic, shoved some people over. I mean, come on. Okay, fair. Uh, so our next story is there's is basically just there's very little work to be done in Mega City One. Uh, so quick comment here: I was yeah. talking to a friend who's who's here with me today uh-huh. um, about what I was reading and Judge Dread and explaining yeah. that people were going crazy because they didn't have any work to do, mm-hmm. and this was mind blowing to him. He's like, "Why leisure?" <laughs> it's true. Uh- <laughs> like we've heard previously that the average citizen has te- a 10 hour work week at best in mega city one mm. and this apparently causes people to freak out we see like people <laughs> in city blocks destroying cleaning robots to mop the floors themselves and like, like they're really happy doing yeah. it there's a block like caretaker who's being fired and replaced by a robot caretaker and like even like there's an unemployment counselor who kind of finds people jobs and he gets, gets super maced in the face. He basically gets killed and someone steals his job to do it. The canister says super mace on it's, it. It's good. Yeah. 
even people are even like robbing banks because they've got nothing better to do you know they taught me how to work but they can't teach me how to shirk correctly whoa (laughs) whoa 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 oh my god that's amazing there's a song uh one of my favorite one of my top bands, uh, XTC, has a song in the 80s that's called Leisure, which is literally about this situation. That's amazing. Of, like, some guy who's, like, on the dole and wants to work, but instead the government is making him sit at home and blah, blah, blah. It's like a wailing song. About, it's, it's, it's like a wailing dirge about uh, not being able to, do, to have a job. God never uh, have i it, it's it ends up just being a funny song because i can't empathize with this i don't want to work at all uh, exactly <laughs> correct anyhow the story ends with that caretaker guy going nuts and sniping people from his apartment well uh, his wife knits and watches tv he basically says like listen you've got your knitting and your tv watching i, I that job was all i had so now i'm going kill crazy <laughs> The story ends with Dredd stopping that caretaker and then sentencing him to a lifetime of hard labor to much rejoicing. Yeah, like, and in his mind, he's like, yeah, you know, some of these cases, I, I just can't help, but it gets to my heart. <laughs> like, I'm like, what? Yeah. Uh, so the final story, and, ah, oh, geez, it's a Walter story. Or a, uh, a Walter Stowey. <laughs> That's uh, funny. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, Walt is impressing the robots down at the laundry. Stop it. <laughs> with Dwed tails. Basically, he uh, he interrupts Dwed for with lunch while he's taking down some bank robbers. Though so he also saves Dwed by throwing a pie in the face Stop. of one of them. <laughs> because for, for obstruction, Dwed sends Walter to Whoa. jail for interfering. Uh. I don't know how to do that one <laughs> with the investigation. <laughs> Since Walter is a fwee bot, he has uh, to go to human jail, and he spends the month in captivity uh, decorating his, uh, his cell with dwed stuff, which drives uh, his cellmate insane. Huzzah! Yeah. You're driving me crazy, man. Stop. Next on Judge Dredd, the forever crimes. Wait, forever crimes? That's what it says. You, We'll see next time. It's pretty good. Um... Hey, I've got a joke lined up for it that I don't want to do here because it'll ruin it for two weeks from now when we talk about this. But oh it's a good joke. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I can we just pad some time before we have to go to the next thing because I hate it? Or no, we're just going to rip we... the Band-Aid off this one. Thrill. Go... Okay, go ahead. <laughs> we're no, going to go fast. Super fast. Thrill 2, Rick Random. So, uh, Rick Random, script robot Steve Moore, art robots are Ron T- Turner and Carlos Escara, writing under the pseudonym of L.J. Silver. That's Long John Silver. The lettering, <laughs> the lettering robot is Steve Potter. Okay, so we're about to drop the whodunit part of this storyline, so don't even trip about it. The high points is that um, jerk... Gweben combination leader Baron Aldo gets killed by a mysterious face, and Marius Fisher, the head of interplanetary security, with is is a uh, found unconscious with a distinctive weapon. He's being framed. Things look troublesome until Wizard Dude Hiro Cardan shows up and offers to tell us all who the killer is. Hooray! Next issue. Sp- uh, again, <laughs> Space Wizard Hiro Cardan reveals the killer. Oh, dip! It's original <laughs> murder victim Baron Odana. That dastard! 
He has a skull on his chest. He's a space wizard. I don't know what you want. Um, oh, no, no. Odana, the guy who oh, killed everybody, just has a skull on That's true. His chest. He's dressed very evilly. Um, yeah, he put us off the case by being killed himself. Ah! So... Um, so get space rockets. Yeah. So this invent. So this um, wizardly suggestion proves true. As the morgue bed that the Baron was in is now empty, everyone rushes to the room of Jamila Rhodes, who is one of the lady diplomats, and they catch Odana red-handed. Random gives chase, and the Baron runs super fast, flying downstairs, <laughs> Superman style, and doing super flips and stuff. Eventually, he escapes to a ship and is shot down with the star base's guns. The murder is solved, and the battle's been won, but the war is just starting so uh, what could that mean next episode after doing some quick judo on exxon sanso one of the few <laughs> surviving guibans uh, random realizes that all this oh. murder stuff is just a diversion for a coup back home everyone piles into a warship with escorts rides out to guiban oh. space when they arrive they come under fire from the grieve from the guiban forces coup confirmed uh luckily the moons of the guiban homeworld show ya are about to have a planetary conjunction that will make their sensors not work. Random, along with some army dudes with ridiculous helmets, all lead a commando raid on the coup, on the coup dudes. Coup dudes are uncool. <laughs> Rick and his girl Vanda make the drop. It's time to fight. Oh, but there's an enemy gunship bearing down on them. Look out! God. Final issue for final episode. As <laughs> Scarif finishes this one up on, as a pseudonym, and you can tell it's him because it's got this draws the same way with everything. Rick and Vanna fight their way down to Shoya, eventually confronting the very much alive Baron Odana. Rick shoots him right in the face. No <laughs> third chances. After a quick wrap-up involving uh, some hand-waving about lifelike androids, Rick piles into a spaceship, never to be seen again. Hooray! <laughs> Don't read this. Rick Random's real bad, and uh, unlike one of the, unlike there's a UK comics like Wiki page that I found that says that this is long, long considered the least popular thrill of all time. There's no citation for that, but it's believable. <laughs> yeah, I like. Ah, uh, it was bad. There was like one good Rick Random book, and it was so many words. And this is just like, who cares who done it? It's definitely this one. And like ones like um, Colony Earth and Death Planet are definitely sort of your go-to early, early, early progs. Oh my gosh, what's going on? These are terrible um, choices. It's it's a space mystery that they can't help but make everyone's name confusing, and simultaneously have you not care about the story. Plus, there's no way to actually solve the mystery based on the clues provided. Thank you, which like is the whole no, point of a mystery. There's no, like, oh, of course, he was at, like, the first guy that was killed was actually an android that would then, the android esca- um, escaped from the morgue locker and killed everybody and then returned to the morgue locker just so that they <laughs> couldn't be found. And it was actually just a mask of coup. I mean, that's, what? there's a lot going on with that. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah. speaking of uh, the ba- a bad thrill like this, how about a real good thrill? Thrill. <laughs> Thrill 3, Strontium Dog. Oh, what I've been waiting for. So, script robot is uh, John Wagner writing as T.B. Grover. Art robots, Carlos Escara. Lettering robot, John Aldridge. Carlos Escara, you are a masterwork of a freaking artist. It's real good, man. I'm, I I take back what I said for uh, Rick Random, man. Like, uh, that was just the heat of the moment. Random made me do it. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah, so, we start. So, uh... 
Okay, so our boys are looking for the are for the other four tickets out of hell, and luckily they know where to find them in the hands of the weird brothers, Cuss, Hiss, and Silent. Silent is my favorite looking mutant by far because he's just an orb on a neck. <laughs> yeah, they're also strontium dogs, and so they're but that are stuck in hell. And yeah, there's mutants. There's um, there's Cuss who's real ugly. There's Hiss who has Medusa hair, and Silent who's yeah whose head is basically just a, a knee on a neck. That's <laughs> oh, real gross. <laughs> they uh, Fly's eyes tries to team up with them, but they shoot him in the face. And um, <laughs> so you know, and then most of the other weirds get taken out by Don Dork and his borrowed supercar. And Dude, it- Don Dork rolls over Hiss's snakes. It totally just- de- decapitates his hair. It's awesome. Oh, it's so gross and great. But so our guys manage to get all five tickets and make their way to the station. But as they arrive, they're set upon by the gargoyles that live above the city. Of course, they steal tickets and sting Wolf. Once they get to the station, uh, we find that the gargoyles have taken all but one ticket, and the warp leaves in a few minutes. What's to be done? Ah, snap. Also, early next episode, we find out that Wolf is freezing to death from the gargoyle's sting, like he's, like, getting encased in a block of ice like a frozen caveman, basically. That's super bizarre, but, you know, they're cucumber. Exactly. We find out that only only Satan can cure the gargoyle's sting, and that means continuing through the hell world to the Black Citadel. Gronk and Don agree to go with Johnny, and Johnny uses his remaining ticket to send Fly's eyes straight to strontium dog hq where it's kind of a stroke of genius yeah where he'll just be immediately executed basically and like flies eyes goes to whatever the execution method is saying like yeah you got me but at least i'll have my revenge on johnny alpha as he goes deep into hell yeah it's pretty great you know it's good problem solving it's like all right like we don't need flies eyes being a bad guy gumming up this story anymore yeah, pretty much. Let's yeah. just watch the awesome people be great. Exactly. So the guys continue, um, basically, go down the down this path, which is a bridge, a, a rope bridge, with the, through uh, the bog of eternal pain. Yeah, with bar, with guards with a uh, rope guards carrying the frozen wolf on a stretcher. From the river come a ton of hands, uh, like crying out for help and stuff. Don reaches to grab one and gets pulled in, and he's replaced by a smooth dandy in a bowler hat named Flash Harry. He's, he's a real toad. If you've seen the Simpsons episode where Homer finds the big um, pile of sugar and keeps it in his backyard, oh my god! And then he put like Marge is like, "Why do you why are you sitting out here in the backyard watching the sugar?" And he's like, "You know, because someone might take it when I'm not looking." And he just reaches out <laughs> and pulls an English guy. And the English guy is like, "Hello." <laughs> Like in Homer's, like, where'd you get the sugar for that tea? I nipped it the split second you weren't looking, and I'll do it again. He, this guy, <laughs> that guy looks looks exactly like Flash Harry. Pretty so much. He explains that it's one man in, one man out here in the Wailing Swamp. But our man Johnny Alpha says no dice. He jumps into the river. He cuts Don free and drags him back onto the bridge. He's such a badass. Super badass. The team continues until suddenly a huge tooth monster rises out of the water to attack our Uh, team. Gross giant snake monster. What are we going to do? Oh, wait. Shawnee Alpha has explosive bullets. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, first it eats Flash Harry right away. Well, well, that's pretty great. Yeah. Everyone else got everyone starts freaking out, requiring Johnny to slap Don in the face so he can keep it together. Oh, that's right. He backhands him. Yeah. Just 
Get your shit together. <laughs> exactly. Bro. Yeah, put it in the sack. Johnny then <laughs> hits the snake with a disintegration blast, which takes oh, it down yeah. easy. And all the other snakes are like, whoa, bro, all right, we're cool. <laughs> That's not true. Three snakes come toward them then, but as they do, Johnny gets grabbed from behind by a tentacle. It drags him underwater, and he loses his blasters. But luckily, before he can be eaten by the giant octopus monster that's dragging him, he pulls out his Electro-Nux and Electro-Punches the monster. Yeah, that's not too great for an underwater monster. I love those Electro-Nux, buddy. (laughs) It's awesome. Uh, They're safe now, and they make it to the shore. But before them is a giant mountain of living skulls. Keep biting everybody. Yeah, Johnny electro knocks his way through the skulls, <laughs> but several grab Don Dork and drag him off into oblivion. No, Don Dork! Never he, to be seen from again. Yeah, he wishes, again. he wishes Johnny's threes and sevens as he goes, which I looked up, and that isn't actually the proper CB etiquette. It should be either threes and eights or seven thirds, um, according to CB dictionaries I found on the internet. Anyway. Wow. All right. <laughs> I do the research, buddy. Hey, man. Someone's got to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Johnny, Gronk, and the Frozen Wolf enter the Citadel of Hell and meet Satan himself with a pitchfork and everything. Yeah, looking super Satan-y. Yeah. Next episode, oh, geez, it's Satan. He heals Wolf and then reveals himself to actually be Ronald Five Ways. The, hunch, so, the hunchback and scarred creator of the Dimension Warp. So when he unfreezes Wolf, Wolf sees the devil guy and says, by der gods, old Nick himself. Old yeah. Nick? Yeah, that's a term for Satan, or the devil. Really? Yeah. Like, so old Saint Nick is not, is that like... Different? I feel like it's different. All old right. Nick, I think, might even have to do with, like, cutting you or, or something like that. Hold on, let me... Give me a second to do to consult with my research assistant, the internet. <laughs> yeah, old Nick is on Wikipedia as like um, oh, wow. an English name for the devil in Christian trant and Christian tradition. Also, a milk chocolate candy bar. Hey, live it up. I think one comes from the other. It's amazing. But yeah, I think it's like another version of old scratch or something like that. But don't don't quote me on that part. Anyway. <laughs> It turns out that Satan's actually Ronald Five Ways. He was badly dis- is a guy. He created the Dimension Warp. In doing so, he was badly disfigured in a fire, and he wanted a new life. So he Dimension Warped to this world, which was completely empty, and he only needed to think to create anything. And because people super made fun of him after his disfigurement and called him ugly and terrible things, he's like, oh, I'll just make it a hell dimension where I torture people forever. Yeah, se- seems fair. <laughs> um, it does it. So he's created every single thing in this hell world and assumes, yeah, that, that Johnny can empathize because being a mutant is basically like like being a scarred up old mad scientist, right? <laughs> really uh, making some logical leaps there, bro. Yeah, Johnny. That's dis- our word. Johnny disagrees, but anyhow, uh, Ronald now back in Satan form offers Johnny anything he wants: fame, fortune, etc. Johnny wishes that this evil world and everything in it be destroyed, and he's bound by his word because that's how Satan rolls. Yeah, um, I de- mean, I, it's really weird that he doesn't just double-cross them for no reason. Yeah, you know, that's uh, maybe he wanted to do it anyway. <laughs> the devil's forced to destroy everything, and the guys are sent back to Earth, where the familiar sounds of cops tell him to move along, mute, mutey, confirms that he's home. 
And Wolf kisses asphalt for reasons. Hey, he's back on Earth, man. Like I, I'd kiss, I'd kiss the ground of Earth if I'd been in hell for like a couple weeks and almost man, died of being frozen by a gargoyle. Was, that's fair. I get. I mean, I guess I'd like go get a hamburger or something. It's true. So, <laughs> but that's it for Strontium Dog for a while in the, in the progs. Yes, yeah. so good. I know. Well, we'll get a Strontium Dog story uh, next week or next episode, actually, in the 1979 sci-fi special. And then Johnny and Wolf and the Gronk will return in the to the progs in fall of 1980. Okay, so not too long, but too long by my estimates. Pretty long. <laughs> I like... Why can't this be the new invasion? Ah, oh, buddy. Speaking of things that aren't the new invasion... Thri- <laughs> thrill for Dan Dare. Oh. Script robot Tom Tully, art robot Dave Gibbons, lettering robot Dave Gibbons because Dave Gibbons wants the, that, that second paycheck. Anyway, <laughs> that's literally the reason. Smart move, my bro, but it's, God, this horrible, horrible mess. It's true. So, okay, those, we- <laughs> those weird face Listrians are um, attacking the Thraxian laser drill to prevent it from taking the back entry into the inner grotto where the crystal of um, immortality is. With They're- bolas. Yeah, they're doing okay, and when finally uh, Hagnar and the Mekon show up, Hagnar's the leader of the bad guys, who looks... Just picture Ganon. I mean, honestly, I consider him to be evil Link, but I don't know. You, you, yeah, make your choice. Fair. He's a big, but he's a big orc-looking guy with a lot of Triforce imagery. <laughs> the Mekon, sh- uh, yes, so they show up and they make quick work of the attacking Lystrians. The drill starts making progress, and we cut to Dan, his buddy Sondar, and um, info dump guy Exior as they meet the Guardian <laughs> in, the, in the grotto. Yeah, that's what he is. Um, so true. The Guardian is a huge dog faced robot guy. Great space! <laughs> it just goes. Arrgh. Yeah, that's pretty much. So it's uh, next up, next prog, uh, Dan and the team against the Guardian. And oh, it's tough. There's a flying eye thing that constantly searches them out, prevents our guys from hiding from it. It's the red blinking spot that you shoot in Zelda. Yeah, yeah. The Guardian shrugs off everything they throw at it, even the full power of the Cosmic Claw. Meanwhile, the laser drill has breached the wall of the Crystal of Life. Immortality is ours. I should, I should mention that very little happens from episode to episode in these Dan Dare stories. It's actually kind of amazing. Uh, <laughs> like if you don't just... if you don't recap the exact blow by blow of the fights, you can tell each prog in about th- in about three sentences at most. Which is what you just did. Yeah. yeah. So next up, Dan fights the Guardian. The Mekon rides the drill of the crystal. Things are rough in Mekon Town, however, as Hagnar outlines his plan to cut the crystal into pieces and then sell it to the galaxy's sick and desperate. The Mekon is not down with this and collapses the roof down on the Thraxians. He snags the crystal and starts powering up. <laughs> now it's time for some Dragon Ball Z crap. Yeah, well, he's going to spend the next episode kind of going, or the next week going, Aah. so... <laughs> Meanwhile, the good guys realize that there's a weak spot behind the Guardian's left ankle. Dan hits on the sp- uh, hits the spot with the claw, and the whole Guardian blows up. Oh, jeez. Achilles heel. Oh, God. <laughs> Next episode, the Guardian is still blows up, and but everybody's basically okay. Hooray. <laughs> 
everyone continues to the room with a crystal of life, and they find the the uh, Mekon there. He's holding it like a beach ball, basically. <laughs> and he's all young and stuff. Oh, no. Mekon... barely different. I mean, he did, he lost all of his all the spots on his giant head, basically. That's it. The Mekon and, da- and, and Dare are about to show down when Hagnar rumbles out of the wreckage and provides a diversion to Mekon, who escapes. And then throws a boulder at Dare's face. It's like, what... Dan Dare swears revenge. He'll follow the Mekon even if it takes the rest of his life. Thank God. Next episode. Garbage. <laughs> Next episode, we kind of jump ahead. Is Dan Dare a traitor? I mean, yeah, sure, kinda. But <laughs> well, he doesn't help things. By the end of this, he shoots a bunch of guys that are on his side. Yeah. So we drop in on him leaving Lystria to pursue the Mekon with Princess Myriad saying that he should regard the planet he's leaving as a second home. Dan and Sondar hit their warp drive and head back to Earth. They arrive and looks... a giant recap right in the middle of this. Yeah, there's a big, like, just, oh, no, the Lost Worlds, and I had a space fort, and there was a guy named Bear was awesome. Yeah, it was like, remember when this was good? Now (laughs) let's go to now. Yeah, so they arrive, and it looks like despite experiencing only a few months in his travel, Dan's actually been away from Earth for two years, which matches up with the timeline, I guess. Their ship is stopped by SASA ships, who are super belligerent. Dan lands, and he and Sondar are arrested for helping the Mekon get the Crystal of Life. Oh, jeez. How do you fix this problem? Shoot them all to death. Yeah, Dan blasts the space cops with his mystic glove, and he and Sondar are on the road again. Next Next time, escape into danger. And just so you know, Fox, there's seven more progs of Dandar left. Oh, uh, that's seven too many. Possible. <laughs> All right. Hey, speaking of things that might not be that thrilling. Oh. Non-thrills, nerve center, and quizzes and stuff. Yay, reprieve. <laughs> so this sort of ends the also the multi-prog um, thrills for this month. The next ones are just going to be single-issue thrills for the most part. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, okay. So, Prog 115, uh, Tharg promises an in-depth data file of his of his mighty self in the annual and pushes the summer sci-fi special, which we'll be talking about next episode. Hooray. Also, yeah, also we're starting to see notices about ABC Warriors coming soon. I'm very excited Woo! about this. ABC Warriors! ABC Warriors! Uh... <laughs> Prog 116, more ABC Warrior teasing. One kid writes in with some random sun facts, because I guess he's like the sun's publicist. And another (laughs) has a short story about robots using humans and complaining about them. The punchline is uh, it's a poor tool that uh, blames its workmen, which I say the other version of that a fair amount is sort of a joke, so I actually appreciated this story. (laughs) There's also the return of the Rojaws and Hammerstein laugh-in with a bunch of robot fan art and questions. And there's the an awesome... fan art is dope. I love it, man. I love all these kids drawing, like, crazy robots and stuff. It's They're really creative. And, like, normally I don't tell you to read, like, the laugh-in because sometimes it's kind of whatever. But this art, it's really good. And it's definitely by kids. It's fun. Um, there's yeah. a pinup at the end of Tyrannomech. He's a big yellow oh, yeah. death mouth, mouth, aka the best. Honestly, mm-hmm. all all the Terramex are the best. All the Terramex and things related <laughs> to Terramex are the best. 
In Prague 117, Tharg answers questions about what happens when things aren't published in the in the Prague's, and a kid calls out Tharg for being big-headed. You know, and Tharg's, oh. he, he's only as vain as his super-awesome powers let him be. I agree with this. Yeah. In the middle of the Prague, Star-Lord presents a spaceship special featuring a bunch of ships drawn and created by readers. My plagiarism oh. sense is tingling here. I smell... Tr- <laughs> I, 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 sense tr- I sense tracing. Oh, big time. Yeah. At the end of the Prague, there's another laugh-in where more people ask about the three laws of robotics. We aren't playing by those rules, Hume. Jeez. Yeah, these things have emotions, but are just super lead. I mean, they're just slaves. Yeah, uh, we also get some pretty, some more decent robot drawings. There's a lot of filler in this in this prog prog one seventeen. I got to say, yeah. Um, there, like before the laugh, and there's a huge reader survey in the oh, prog yeah, this month. The Mighty Thugs reader survey. Yeah, I I have answers. Uh, name Conrad, age thirty uh, something. What are you, cop? Uh, how long have I been reading? Two thousand AD from the start, baby. Oh, baby. <laughs> favorite storyline? Uh, Judge Dredd. Least favorite? Clearly. Rick Random. Correct. <laughs> favorite type of story? Future War. Do I like features? No. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer longer stories, but fewer of them. My favorite story is Cursed Earth. Um, and I other comics I buy are Doctor Strange and Defenders Comics. See uh, popular podcast, Stranger by the Dozen. Anyhow. <laughs> Prog, Prog 118, Tharg teases the new thrills of Prog 119. And then there's a short story and a complaint about comics not being found in Saudi Arabia. Which, you know, probably pretty fair, because I think it's only, like, in the last couple years that um, uh, that they started having a Comic-Con in Dubai. Yeah. They, he, the uh, letter writer says that, like, no pictures of weapons are illegal, are allowed in Saudi, which is interesting. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, the Prague ends with another laugh-in, which culminates in Tharg threatening to melt down Rojaws. No! Ah, but it's okay. So... Uh, there's some pretty fun robot drawings, many of them clearly drawn by kids, and that's good. The prog, mm-hmm. the prog ends with an iconic pinup of Judge Dredd by Brian Bolland. So when I first saw that, I thought he was eating an apple, but no, he's, no, he's got a, like a microphone or like a like, yeah, yeah. like a, a speech thing. Prog 119, this prog is Moonraker themed, and um, this and the stories in Prog 119, or at least like two-thirds of them, are the results of some sort of like semi-idle conversation by top IPC brass, basically saying that they wanted to make 2000 AD more of an action-adventure comic instead of a sci-fi comic. Which, what? Which is ridiculous. But you can see they do it just with, um, like, both Invasion, or both Disaster 1990 and Project Overkill are way more sort of action-adventure kind of things than explicitly sci-fi things. And, like, it's funny, in, like, Thrill Power Overload, the book, like, the editors, like, Steve McManus is like, listen, we got this order from on high, we had to do it, nobody liked it, we thought it was stupid, but, you know, we, <laughs> we marched to their orders, and then they ask the actual top brass guy, he said, said it, and he says, like, well, I guess I might have said it idly, but I definitely wasn't making a statement of editorial intent. Oh, like, really? Says the guy <laughs> holding the purse strings. Yeah. I don't trust you, narc, any... <laughs> Wow. Um, He's the man, dog. Yeah. So, anyhow, uh, but because it's a big thing and it's got James Bond on the cover, Tharg reintroduces himself. 
because apparently they're going to get a lot of new readers in this issue. Hello, new readers. There are 25 die-cast vehicle models to be won. Oh, it's so awesome. You just got to complete this weird maze and you're good to go. Which, uh, I mean, all right. Yeah. There's also a, uh, a feature on Moonraker, which I mostly know because it's the second one with Jaws, the guy with the metal teeth. And also only remembered for that reason. It's not exactly the best James Bond movie. Yeah, the songs by like Shirley Bassey. I forget. Um, mm-hmm. I forget that one. That the, the song for it, which is too bad. Um, yeah. You're not missing much. It's <laughs> okay. Whatever. That's fair. Uh, this month also marks the start of a pullout mini magazine about robots, which is kind of interesting. Awesome. Because like basically you get two pages of it a week, mm. and they're sort of printed kind of funny because it's like you know. The fr- it's basically the back cover and then the front cover, or the uh, yeah, like the front back cover and then the two inside pages and stuff. So it's it's kind of odd, I guess. Humes, you will obey our command. I like how they call humans humes. That's very funny to me. Me too. I love it. <laughs> um, I love me some rojas. Absolutely. Yeah. So this month we get the cover and then we get uh, features on rojas and Hammerstein and mm. some. In, uh, extremely crappy looking real life like quote unquote robots as well as the front and back cover yeah it's like eh, weird it's just like all these like it's this it, you put some stainless steel on like a skateboard and you've like <laughs> oh, we, I made a robot that'll walk the dog and it's just like yeah if you like staple the dog onto the robot and then drag it around <laughs> like this is not yeah. particularly impressive, is what I'm trying to say. It, it's more of a like model hobby made large. Yeah, um, but yeah, so we're gonna get some more pages of that sort of as the as the weeks go on in the uh, at the, in the on the last um, pages of the prog. Dope. So, but hey, speaking of robots, Fox. <laughs> Thrill five robusters. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, dog. Fucking up people on Earth, saving robots going into space. Mm-hmm. Script robot Pat Mills, art robot Mike McMahon, color, or lettering robot Pete Knight. God, this is so friggin' cool. Yeah. So the Black Butterfly, the ship of the robot emigrants on their way to paradise, comes under attack from human starfighters. Luckily, on the surface, uh, Rojas, Hammerstein, et al. have taken control of the long Tom, long range space howitzer. Yeah, they turn them into space dust. Yeah, they fire a salvo of dirty nukes and vaporize the fighters. The transport is away. So awesome. And I like how they do the the jump to like warp speed, basically, is that they uh, inverse the colors so it's uh, white mm-hmm. on black and not black on white. Yeah. Or you know what I mean. Totally. Yeah. Space turns white. It's good. Yeah. So the team, which is basically now just Rojas, Hammerstein, Dr. Feely Good, and Gottlieb, <laughs> the greatest robot of all time, uh, make their way back to the Satan Dart and take off. They lose pursuers by going through a crowded civilian area, and the mm. team manages to get to safety. They kill a lot of humans on the way. It's they, there's great. a lot of collateral human death along the way. And uh, Dr. Feely Good gets extra, you know, feely touchy. He definitely threatens to remove a lot of brains and amputate a lot. 
<laughs> yep, it's great. Yeah, the uh, the bots split up for split up. Feely Good is going to go after to fi- to go- goes off to find and operate on Casey, the medical testing droid. Which, oh god, he's just so into him. He just walks at the distance, like I'm coming, Casey. Mm, gonna put my probes all up in you. Exactly. Rojas and Hammerstein are given the address of a safe house to rest, recuperate, and get new papers. And, and then they sing a song. Well, f- first Gottlieb flies off on the Satan dart into the oh, sunset. Yeah. But yeah, then our heroes walk off with a sweet reprise of song of Side by Side. Yep, I like it. And that's pretty much it for Robusters. Like, the next big Robuster adventure will be in, like, 2009 or something like that. Man, boo. But don't worry, Fox. Because they'll be at, because they'll actually be back quite soon, Ooh. as the ABC Goddamn Warriors. Oh, ABC Warriors! Yeah, but first, Thrill Six Future Shocks. Oh uh, yeah, these ones were not all terrible, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> they were kind of. They had some. They've they gone from twist ending to joke endings, which I appreciate. <laughs> Uh, first one is Colin's Dream, script robot Chris Stevens, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, lettering robot Pete Knight. I question Colin's taste. This guy named Colin ignores the calls of his wife and sleeps in and dreams. He dreams of fighting a crazy alien monster thing. He wakes up and he turn and it turns out his wife is the same crazy alien monster thing. Interracial marriages sure can be tough. What? Yeah, he married a giant uh, murder monster. I don't know. It's got a throat mouth and a tube face mouth, and you can see its heart, and it's got a scorpion tail and claws, and like, ah. I don't appreciate your kink shaming, Fox. Um, (laughs) Next, the the next story is called Hand of Friendship. Script robot John Richardson. Art robot John Richardson, lettering robot Pete Knight. There's a pair of space dudes, like an, an SOS survival pod. Mm. They're running low on food and water, but they get uh, sighted by an alien war vessel. They'll send a rescue ship soon, but until then, do they need anything? And the head of the escape pod's like, ah, just give us a hand with some bread and water. And so they get a care packages, and they find the, all the good stuff. Uh. Bread, water... And a bunch of hands. Like, oh, God. <laughs> like, individually wrapped. Like, these guys just had, like, a, uh, like, like their mom packed them a bunch of hands for lunch just in, like, uh, plastic, in those plastic bags that don't have the Ziploc on it. You know what I mean? Gross <laughs> gifts. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> oh. Now I gotta find a mournful air horn. It's gonna be, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm doing on the internet today. Well, the next time I hear this, I guess. Oh, God. But hey, speaking of um, mournful versions of things that were once awesome. Oh, no. Thrill 7, Disaster 1990. (sighs) Yeah, script robot Gary Finley Day, art robot Carlos Pino, lettering robot uh, Steve Potter. So... A disaster in the year 1990. No, it's not Cop Rock, but a prequel to Invasion. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that I actually looked through Wikipedia 
for the year 1990 to try to find the biggest thing that I could find as an, as an example of a disaster, because I totally I did. I you found it. So, in the future, but the future as in, like, 11 years from when this comic comes out, and um, yeah. 27 years from when we're making this podcast. <laughs> 27 <laughs> years ago from when we made this podcast. Uh. A, uh... A uh, huge ice-crushing super tankers cross the North Pole through the ice, but one of them clips a sub, which arms one of its nuclear torpedoes, and suddenly there's a chain reaction from a nuclear blast that instantly melts the entire polar ice cap, which is much worse than just slowly melting it like we've been doing in our world. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bill Savage is beating up bikers who don't like how he's parked his lorry. With the table! He beats them, like, up with the table. He he, uh, he pays for the furniture ahead of time, which I appreciate. Like, that's a class act move. And it's basically the uh, furniture equivalent of asking someone with a scar on their face how they got the other one. Which... (laughs) Is is Conrad's opening move, but it's tough because not a lot of people have face scars. <laughs> you gotta wait for that opportunity, man. But when you do, they say, well, "How'd you get the other one?" And they said, "What? I only have one." You say, "Not now." Uh. Yeah, <laughs> just just to make note, just so that you still know he's Bill Savage. All of the bikers have swastikas on them somewhere. I mean, you know, not too unrealistic. Anyhow, oh god, yeah. I mean, of British bike. Actually, this is um of the week we're taping this. This is two for two in Conrad's podcasts for um English bikers with Nazi with ex- with a uh, explicit Nazi paraphernalia, which is a weird time for me, I guess. Um, <laughs> anyhow, um. Suddenly there's alerts which break up the fight. A massive tidal wave is headed towards England. Get to higher ground. And everybody flips out and starts <laughs> like just bailing. Well, yeah, they say like, hey, there's a massive tidal wave. It's going to cover the entire country. It comes in one hour. Yep. Bill disregards this and drives to London and into London to, to try to save his mother, but instead he ends up saving a random little girl who's running in the street. Later calls him daddy? I don't know. They run up the stairs, ju- upstairs just ahead of all the water. It's pretty intense, I guess. In the end, the water has risen high enough to drown most buildings, and like the Tower of London and Big Ben just barely peek above the waves. It isn't the end. It's the start of the fight for survival. Next time... Uh- or next next Prague one, Battle at the Imperial War Museum. Which, you know, maybe this is why England was extra weak for 1999 to get double super attacked by an invading power, but, you know, this kind of would have been an important cliff note, I guess. Or It's just, it sounds like it's going to be a survival game sort of thing, and not, like, what? Yeah, they definitely, you know... England didn't seem like it was nine years removed from a massive, from being completely flooded by a massive tidal wave, but who knows? If this is an origin story for his shotgun, I will be really proud. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but speaking of origin stories, Thrill 8 ABC Warriors. Oh, yeah, Joe Pineapples is so far my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Script robot Pat Mills, art robot Kevin O'Neill, lettering robot Pete Knight. Yeah, so the atomic, bacterial, and chemical warriors have arrived. Spread the word.
They're crazy. They're ready to kill other robots, especially Volgon robots. That's right. Um, so this is basically a, it's a prequel to robot to Robusters. It takes place after what those Hammerstein memories that we saw in previous episodes, but before the actual Robusters starts. Mm. Um, but yeah, we're it's still the Volgan War, but at this point, it's robot versus robot. Like both sides have replaced all their human troops. Uh, Hammerstein leads a squad of other robots, including Joe Pineapples, who <laughs> speaks in letter-number combinations and uses the uh, balls bazooka because it, when it hits, it turns into balls, basically. <laughs> like Not beach, bo- beach, beach balls, basically. I mean, yes. it could do, you you could do both. <laughs> there is Happy Shrapnel, who is a robot that is basically a, a country prospector type. Like this gold in them hills, and shooting. also, don't you make fun of my boots just because there's human parts what are still in them? Yep, shooting his pistols in the air with a big oh, robot beard. It's great. As well as some more like generic soldiers, basically. Yeah, they're just rookies who are red shirts, which horrifically die later. My my theory is that all robots start off as these blank robots, and then as time goes by, they get sort of random spare part upgrades and stuff, which means yeah. that they eventually evolve into their own look and personalities the way that Joe Pineapples, Hammerstein, and uh, Happy Shrapnel are. You salvage the parts of those who have fallen in order to honor the dead. Exactly, and over time, it means that you just sort of get your own distinctive robot look. Hell yeah, man. Robots rock. And then personality and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. all the ABC warriors are controlled by human officers who stay way in the back and command through, like, sensor helmets and VR rigs, basically. Yeah, and they're basically super douchebags. They're, like, they're um, upper crust, like, de- like fops, basically. They, like, drink champagne and call each, and, like, call each other uh, weird nicknames and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's just... Oh, we'll take the fort first. Oh, no, you won't. Not if I have anything to say about it. Let me send my robots faster. Yeah, they're all Hugh Laurie and Black Adder, basically. Mm-hmm. But so, whatever. Hammerstein, like, the, the robots fight through. After a big victory, a young robot soldier dies heroically but futilely. And Hammerstein... And horrifically. Yeah, melted by gas. Hammerstein uh. sends the dying robot's pain back up the line to his commanding officer, instantly killing the human. Which is awesome. Yeah. It looks like a freak accident, but this obviously evil officer human guy is less sure <laughs> and thinks that Hammerstein might just be the leader he's looking for. Next time, retreat from Volgau. Have you, did you see the symbol on his hat? It's two arrows going horizontally either way, and then an, a regular question mark and an upside-down question mark, which, I mean, that's an evil symbol if I've ever seen one. Yeah, no, this guy's super evil. It's good. Plus his face is all, like, wrinkly evil, and he's got snake eyes. Totally. Speaking of military guys that are wearing obviously evil insignia... <laughs> <laughs> Thrill 9, Project Overkill. God, nine progs this month. So many thrills, yeah. So, the script robots Kelvin Gosnell, former Tharg, art robots Ian Gibson, lettering robot Jack Potter. So, okay, there's an A300 Airbus jumbo jet and it's crashing. Only the heroic piloting of Captain Kenny Harris allows it to, to land safely on a stretch of highway in the middle of nowhere. It's pretty good for improvising. Yeah, or so they think. Oh, gosh. They're met by a convoy of army dudes 
who tell Harris that he's landed on government property on something called Project Overkill. They're just like really giving him all the information yeah. about super secret crap. After checking with base, the soldier who wears an all-black, like basically stormtrooper um, outfit with a twenty-five in his helmet, knocks out Harris. When Harris wakes up, he's lying. De- he's lying on the ground in the middle of nowhere. He walks into town, learn he's in- learns he's in Conquest, Ohio. That it's two days later, and that his plane was found, but with no bodies in it. Ah, oh, snap! What's what ha- going on? Yeah, what happened to him? And where are his passengers and crews? And what is Project Overkill? I mean, I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. Next. In the next, yeah. Exploding the exploding man. man. <laughs> like, what? All right. We'll see. So, hey, that's the end of the thrills for this month, Fox. Oh, take a bow, Conrad. That was a slog to get through. There's a lot going on this time. So what are your top and bottom thrills for this, what, June 1979? <laughs> so I think... What year? Can- yeah, June 1979. I think we can both agree that anything one prog should probably be omitted, as much as I love the ABC Warriors start. Yeah, I think that's uh, fair. I get, you know, give it time to breathe and all of that, because Project Overkill and, you know, the the new Disaster 1990 could probably be pretty bad. I mean, look, the the worst one is Rick Random. It's terrible, it's bad, it's still bad, it's horrible. I, I hate it. Um I'm sorry, guys. I'm sure maybe you did some work or someone might have been proud of it, but it's trash. Everyone can skip over it, and you will not be lesser for it. There's apparently I mean, the, a funny interview that they did that was done, sort of looking back on early 2000 AD, and someone at, and like it was it was a big roundtable, and someone asked whose idea it was to do Rick Random, and nobody said nobody said yet said who it was. Everybody they they have all, all those early 2000 ADers have all sworn each other to secrecy about who'd do it. Just they don't. No one gets the blame. <laughs> Well, that's okay. I understand that camaraderie. Maybe everyone thought they could make it good or something. And mad respect that you tried, but it wasn't good. Yeah. And I, I'd say Dan Dare, but this just outweighed it so heavily. Agreed. Yeah, it's my bottom thrill too. What's your top thrill this month, Fox? I mean, obviously, Strontium Dog, Strontium Motherfucking Dog. That ended like Flash. It was awesome. You got out of hell. It was great. Yeah. Especially just the going through hell in the in um in the early parts are really cool too. Dude, I just like everything getting the tickets and how they got them, and then you knowing how it wasn't just gonna be that easy, and then it wasn't, and then how they made their way through. It was just it's everything you want out of a good long story, and I just wish they'd do more of them more often. I mean, that's the saddest part, but. You know, yeah. it's the absence that makes the heart grow fonder, I guess. Yeah, we're going to go, uh, like, once we get sort of into that fall 1980, we're going to have a bunch of Strontium dogs, and it's going to be real good. Um, God, I love it. And then, we're, and so, then we'll, we'll, we'll have it next week, too, which is going to be nice. So what's your top and bottom? Well, my, my bottom's Rick Random, of course. Um, my top, I love, man, um, Judge Dredd's a strong competitor this week. Mm-hmm. Just um, everything with the um, with the city blocks, especially Vienna. Yeah, like Vienna's okay, but really, like honestly, the city blocks are such a big part of Judge Dredd going forward that mm-hmm. it's like a major character. You know, it's like when Anderson shows up almost. Like, oh, cool. Here's, that's a good point. Like, here's like this thing that's going to be a key part of just what is Judge Dredd going forward that like when that now they've finally shown up, it's kind of like, Oh yeah. Like here's like this, another, you know, here's the next sort of character. 
especially if we've ta- as we've talked about previously how sort of Mega City One is his own character. This is sort of Mega City One really kind of solidifying as an actual thing, you know. It's a really cool point. I like that a lot. Yeah, man, smart. I'm smart as hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but is it your top thrill? No, my top thrill is Strong Team Dog because Strong Team Dog is awesome. God, it's so off the hook. You know, uh, remember that one? Uh, what was it? The grenade he threw? No, the Nux. That's yeah, what the, ele- the Electro Nux, man. Those come out a lot, um, and I love them every time. So freaking awesome. Yeah. When they ran over that guy's freaking snake skeleton. <laughs> yeah, and then just all the stuff on the bridge with the hands coming out of the water, and it's super creepy. And there's big monsters, and he electro nucks that squid underwater and stuff. Oh, it's all good. It's all good, man. Dude, and then they face down Satan, who's actually like a crazy guy, and I wasn't expecting that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And they sent back to their own time. It's great. And even, yeah. ah, just so much good. Yeah, man. Everybody knows Strong Team Dog is good. Strong Team Dog is excellent. <laughs> so anyhow, I hope you enjoyed the show. You can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at Cradoline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner 2000 at Gmail or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacespinner 2 k Everything else, look for Space Spinner 2000, and we should be there. Come back next time as we... Enter the summer of 1979 on our timeline, and it's time for the 1979 sci-fi special. Hooray! Oh, I mean, yay! <laughs> There's actually some interesting stuff this time, including Liar. interviews with John <laughs> Wagner and Brian Balland, like the, uh, the okay, uh, writer and artist for Dread, the return of the Ape Gang, and a couple of quizzes that I'm going to force Fox to take before he actually reads the special so he won't cheat. We're going to do that right after we take this show. <laughs> And oh. there's zero random features about future or space stuff. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, okay. I, I think it's going to be the most tolerable sci-fi special yet. All right, I can get behind that, I guess. Yeah, until next time, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Spun Dog for Thrag! Thrag! <laughs>